3: We're going to get to Dalvin Cook in just a yeah. minute. But first, welcome to Good Morning Football on our favorite day of the week. It is Friday. We are live in New York City, June 9th. I'm Sarah Walsh alongside Kyle Brandt, Hello. Peter Schrager, and sitting in for his fellow Scarlet Knight, Jason McCourty. It's our very own Sean O'Hara. Sean
4: sure Welcome. What's up, Coming Sean morning O'Hara? To
3: you. How
2: you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Great. Ready Stop. to rock and roll on the Friday.
3: It is time now for the lead block. Lead block. Dalvin <laughs> Cook certainly enjoyed his last visit to Miami's Hard Rock Stadium, Minnesota. Beat the Dolphins 24-16. Cook rattled off this 53-yard touchdown run along the way. With Dalvin's departure from the Vikings imminent, could the Dolphins' Mike McDaniel be interested in having him down there? Coach fielded that question yesterday and had a very Mike McDaniel response.
0: March 3rd,
5: 1983. day I was born, right? Now we take a closer look at that date and... That, in fact, was not yesterday. You're not going to get this guy. I'm year two, okay? What I am excited about is talking about the most important thing, which is the third day of veteran minicamp. And we've got a lot of guys that are good players that have an opportunity to get better. Answer
3: your question? Nice. So good. Love it. It's a master class there and uh, not even sure what. Answering questions. (laughs) Something about his birthday? I think the big takeaway is the most important thing ever is the third day of that mandatory minicamp. camp. Dalvin Cook, soon to be a former Viking, which team makes the most sense for him, Kyle?
2: You guys better not say anything other than Miami because I'm saying Miami after that clip especially. (laughs) I thought we settled this earlier in the week. We did it. We have Dalvin Cook right here. I tweeted it out that he makes the top trio in the entire league of two wide receivers and running back. All right? You got the cheetah. You got the penguin. And you got the chef, that's what he called himself, even though his last name's Cook. So I said, that's the best. If Dalvin Cook goes to the Dolphins in that beautiful Photoshop that we did, there is not a better trio in the whole league. Now, when I tweet that, there becomes three responses that keep coming back over and over and over again. I got hundreds. First one is this one. Hot take for sure. Bengals with Chase and T and Mixon still better. I respect that answer, and there's a lot of Bengals answers, but I disagree. I think that Dalvin Cook is more talented than Joe Mixon. I love Mixon. The next one that keeps coming in constantly, constantly. Niners. Mm-hmm. Iuk Debo, and CMC. Ooh. I think that's an investment in Ayuk, who apparently looks great and is ready for a bl- blow-up season, but the Niners. And then the third one, you just over and over and over and over again. Michael Buffer saying, the fish are looking pretty damn good! Yeah. Michael Buffer, huge fan of the show. Michael Guys, Buffer. That's it. Michael Buffer, the ring announcer. Love that. Right? It's the pretty fish. good. That's the thing of the fish. <laughs> um, I still think it's Miami. I think the plot thickens even further in what might be the best division in the entire league. I like Raheem Mostert as much as the next guy. We all love Raheem Moster. Dalvin Cook is a very special player, and there's a lot of people out there saying he's washed up, he's old. Minnesota lets him go. I still think he has incredible talent, and I think he makes the Miami team even more talented. I think it's a Dolphin, Sean. What do you think?
6: Yeah, I like Miami. I like Michael Buffer. I, I love his brother Bruce, too. Of course. Right? He, he, he does a little... There we go. He's got his own little wrinkle. So, sure does. I, Miami Dolphins great. I'm looking for a fit from a scheme standpoint, and if I'm Dalvin Cook right now, uh-huh. the Vikings just let me go. I want to go play for Sean Payton. Give, ah. give me the Denver Broncos. We heard Russell Wilson say let's ride a lot last year. Sure they did. didn't ride on anything. Yep. Now you can ride on Dalvin Cook. Javante Williams nice. tears his ACL. Now he's coming back from injury. So it gives him a little bit of time. And you mentioned the, the fact that, you know, look, Dalvin Cook has been banged up a little bit. Last year was the first time he's, he's played every single game in a season. So I think for him to have a little one-two punch would help out. But yep. the luster of Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi loves to throw the football to his running backs. Hmm. Dalvin Cook is a phenomenal receiver. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does out of the backfield. I I think Dalvin Cook underappreciated, not just as a running back, but what he can do after the catch. I think you pair him with Russell Wilson and with that offense, I, I think it's a great fit. And I think for Dalvin Cook, he would love to have that opportunity. For a long time, we heard a lot of people say, boy, if only they would let Russ Cook Mm-hmm. Well, this is a perfect marriage and wow, a perfect answer to that. You're right. They
2: actually
5: have a guy named Cook. It's yes. great. Nicely done. Let's uh, go. Those are the two favorites, I think. Adam Schefter put out a tweet yesterday and was like Miami and Denver seemed very interested. So I look at those two teams. I'm like, Schefter's usually right. That, that seems to make sense. I'm going to throw some wild card teams at you. Um, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you could say, well, there's salary cap issues and they're in a rebuilding mode. If we've learned anything from this guy, if there's a veteran player they like, they will find a way to go get them. And that goes back years and years and years to the Akib Talib types, to the Marcus Peters types. Straight through to Jalen Ramsey and to Allen Robinson last year, to Bobby Wagner when it made no sense with their salary cap. They still found a way to get the best linebacker of his generation into the Rams uniform. Now, this offseason they were quiet, understandably so. They've kind of licked their wounds a bit. But I think if Dalvin can join Cam Akers in that backfield and they can get that thing going, it's another piece to that offense. And I know Sean's not sleeping on just saying, hey, you know what, we got what we got, let's not keep on, you know, trying to build. But I'm gonna throw one out here in New York that I think Sean, it's just a almost a conspiracy theory from me. Hmm? What if you you know this is a Machiavellian league, right? Like these, we doing? have learned the cold, hard truth. Oh, no. What if the Giants uh-huh. saw Dalvin Cook at $4 million, uh-huh. $5 million, maybe $6, 7000000 million? And they're looking at Saquon right now, and they're Go in on. this kind of stalemate with Saquon, and he's on the franchise. What if they took Saquon off the franchise tag, let him be free, and brought in Dalvin Cook instead for half the price, and said, all right, Dalvin, same age, kind of... You know, better year last uh, a couple years ago, obviously, and last year Saquon was better, but numbers kind of similar in different running styles. But maybe Dalvin works, too, at half the price from Saquon. And if we're not going to get Saquon long-term, maybe we can get... Sean, I turn to you, our New York Giants resident, and everyone loves Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. This would be cutthroat. Uh-huh. This would also be very NFL. Would this be the most egregious thing to happen amongst Giants fans if they were to say Barkley hit the road We're bringing in Dalvin Cook instead cold-blooded
2: uh-huh.
6: is what comes to mind Just not just from the fans aspect of it But if you're Saquon Barkley look you he's doing all the right things from a posturing standpoint that most guys do when they're tagged Staying away working out posting videos of me working out even though. I'm not at OTAs But I think to pull the rug out pull, pull that tag out from Saquon Barkley I, I don't know what kind of damage that does within the locker room. They've got a great culture right
2: now in the locker room. Hey Sean, so you, you got pull but Wait till Howie Roseman signs Saquon the second he leaves. <laughs> I was gonna
6: say. Well, they got they, they already got DeAndre Swift, but yeah, sure it doesn't I mean, matter. They're not throwing the ball if they do that. I, I think that would be an interesting move. Here, here's the one thing that I think the Dalvin Cook to save on Barkley is: Does would Dalvin be willing to sign a long-term deal? That's that what I'm you saying. Could, it, you could it. sign him to a long-term guess, deal. It doesn't come from Joe. You from got another Shane, guy over here that's saying no.
5: I don't talk to those guys right about Dalvin Cooks. Oh, the Rams one came from the Rams. Yeah. <laughs> put it out there. Maybe he will sign for less. Um, but I look at the Giants right now. With Saquon still in this franchise that, and he hasn't reported. Like, sounds like good business to me, right? Like, it, this is a cutthroat thing. Let's go in. You're a Giants fan, and you say, "Wait, what? You did what to Saquon?" Oh, but we got Dalvin Cook for four years on a 36 million dollar deal. Like, mm-hmm.
3: just put it out there. I like it. I got a random team, like really random, not not in any of the the, the scuttlebutt rumors. <laughs> We talk about these AFC teams. Everyone's loading up, right? What if we keep talking about him to Miami? What if he stays in Florida? What mm-hmm. about the Jaguars? Okay. Because here's a team, Travis Etienne, really good last season, did what they needed to do, over 1,100 yards. The next guy, when you talk about their depth chart, like 340 yards, something like that, it was James Robinson. To Sean's point, pass-catching abilities gives – Another weapon to Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. You have to keep pace in the AFC. Dalvin's a Florida native. Played just down I-10 across the state at Florida State. Keep talking about him to Miami. If you talk about loading up, which some of these teams have done, and even when we talk about him, maybe San Francisco, I mean, they're loaded with weapons. It's a team that continues to load up. We don't talk about the Jaguars, like, loading up left and right. But here's a guy, I mean, we know injuries happen. What's your backup plan? This is a team that's going to keep pace. This is a team that went into Arrowhead and and kept it really close. And if they want to continue to compete in a conference that is incredibly, ridiculously tough, what about some insurance over there in Jacksonville with ETN, and you have the two of them, and one of them can catch out of the backfield left and right? Sounds good. Again, no one's talking about that except me, apparently. But <laughs> but I think... At- uh, you, would you turn him down? And he, he, what stood out to me when you were talking about right off the top about, you know, the perception is, is maybe he's old and washed up. It's so funny to me that, yes, I know the age is the age, and here's what the numbers would suggest. But what did the n- numbers suggest last year? I mean, mm-hmm. he was really good. And he's so the I only running
2: back in the NFL who's had four straight seasons of 1,100 yards. He's 27 years old. And I'm seeing things online that saying, this is it. The running back market is dead. Why would they ever move on from him? He's not old. He's not unproductive. And they just, like, the Vikings are like, I think we're good but somebody else has to scoop him. I don't know who the hell is going to I think be. the
5: Vikings situation was unique in that they have to figure out a way to pay Justin Jefferson. They have to figure uh, out a way to pay Hawkinson. They have to figure out a way to find a fast rusher that they can pay. But like, You can only pay so much, so in this case, they had to let him go. But at Jaguars, yeah. that would be a great idea. Jacksonville's
6: interesting just because I think back to Doug Peterson when he was in Philly and they won the Super Bowl. They, they led the league in explosive runs, and they had it was LeGarrette Blunt and uh, Corey Claye, and, and you know, so it's like as much there? as we think about Doug Peterson no. as the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, like he, he appreciates running the football. That could be a nice uh, little chance. Yeah. Think about yeah. the stable of running backs in that division. Yeah,
3: yeah. and then batter, get or creative or. with Trevor and find more ways for Trevor yeah. to be productive. Um, I love, I like Duval, I do the Seahawks have the best group in the league when we talk about wide receivers. We're going to play a round of we in or we out next. Peter, bring in the noise on De- a Friday. Devin
5: McCourty's still drilling with like Tyler Lockett, like he's underrated. He's a great player. Yeah. I get the Lockett underrated thing. We've covered that.
2: Tyler Lockett underrated.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –
5: Time for another round of we in or we out. You know how it works. I say the statement. My co-hosts and you at home will tell me whether you agree or you disagree. Is everybody ready for this one? Huh? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. The Seahawks already had a great tandem at wide receiver in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but they made that tandem into a dynamic trio when they used their second first round pick to select Jackson Smith and the Jigba with the 20th overall selection. Earlier this week, Tyler Lockett told reporters that he thinks the rookie is, quote, Going to be phenomenal. Yesterday, DK Metcalf added on to the praise, saying he is like a veteran already. Guys, my statement is this. The Seahawks have the best wide receivers room in the entire NFL. Are we in or are we out? Sean O'Hara, we start with you.
6: Wow, that's an interesting group. I, I, I like the physical aspect of it, but I'm out on this. Okay. I, I, I feel like the Seahawks right now, okay, Look, you've got some explosive players. I still don't know what we're getting out of Geno Smith yet. That's to me, is still a question mark. I'm going to go with a bird on the East Coast. Give me the Eagles. Oh. And I think when you look at what this Philadelphia Eagles offense, A.J. Brown coming to this offense gave it shark teeth. You know, before look, they could run the football. All right, they had a, you know Dallas Goddard. they had a decent passing game, decent. AJ Brown changed everything okay. for that offense. So I, I feel like with AJ Brown, and when you look at, you know, look, Quez Watkins kind of fills up this trio right here. Um, you know, I think when you look at Devontae Smith, the, the amount of times that people focused on AJ Brown and said we got to stop him, and Devonte showed up. All the way. To and this it's like ball. all of a sudden you he look was super up. Talented. Right, yeah, you look up and it's like, dude, how does Devontae Smith have hundred and fifty yards receiving already? Awesome. Right. And sneakily, I think he's a lot big, he plays a lot bigger than what people think. So I'll go with the Eagles right now. I'll go with the Birds, throwing Quiz right. You've talked about him on the show with like Quiz. Bit. Sarah? I'll say they're the best.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go him out too. Sean brought it up. They had two guys that uh, had over 1,000 yards receiving. The Eagles did. There's three teams in the league that had two guys that went over 1,000 yards. The Eagles, one team. I'm going with another team that was one of them. The other team's the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Bengals. How about that Bengals group? And we had a talk earlier in the week about how they even keep this group together long term. But Jamar Chase, over 1,000 yards last season, nine touchdowns, most targets in the league. How about T. Higgins, over 1,000 yards last season? Tyler Boyd has two seasons of over 1,000 yards. Yards. I'm going this trio because on top of it, when I talked about those three teams with the receivers, well, one of them's the Dolphins. So you got two at quarterback. The one that Sean was just talking about, Jalen at quarterback. I'm going Joe Burrow as my quarterback to find these guys to make these guys even better than they already are. If you give me those top three teams that I just mentioned, I'm going to go Joe Burrow every time on my answer. Really good answers, I, but I, I think I have
2: it. Bring up this. This is this is the best wide receiver room in the NFL. So you got Diggs, you got Hopkins, you got Gabe. I absolutely love it. I'm in. Tell me that's not the one, Peter. That's amazing if
5: they can get Hopkins. It already uh, happened. I, he's in the. gym. That's a real picture. I like it. That's a good <laughs> shot of him too. I'm trying to think if someone else. Quickly googling if someone else wears number ten already for the. I don't know. Little Bills, but I can't see. Let me start with a wild card team: this, the LA Chargers. They have this basketball squad yeah, of tall. six foot four guys, but between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and they too drafted a rookie right after Smith and Jigma. They got Quentin Johnson at a TCU. I'd be interested. You add in Josh Palmer, who I think is really good, but. Seahawks, I don't think of them in this, like, passing air team. Yeah, yeah. That room is really talented mm-hmm. with what they have. And, of course, we know that their offense uh, is always going through that run and they'll have the passing game. All right, next topic. Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson yesterday surprised his team when he decided to cancel OTAs. Oh, no. And instead took the squad out mm. for a paintballing session.
2: Cameron Wolf took this video from undercover or something. Uh, <laughs> like, he was behind a barracks. Wearing
5: goggles. Armed. <laughs> <laughs> NFL Plus, we have paintball. Look at the army crawl. <laughs> oh, oh, he got me. Cam, did you get oh, any straps? Hit. I was gonna say. <laughs> I hope Cam stayed from behind the lines. Uh, here is the statement. So I know there are some mixed feelings about paintball right now. Paintball is an awesome team bonding activity. Are we in or are we out? Sean, are you pro paintball? Or are you con paintball? I'm all the way in on this. Of course you are. I- I'm Come all on. for the paintball. Here's the
6: one thing that, that, that I love about paintball is that you are accountable. <laughs> Guess what? You get hit, you feel it, and you announce it right away. Anybody that's ever played paintball, as soon as you get hit by a paintball, it stings. It leaves a mark. Yeah. You're raising your hand. I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit. I've been to a, a, a probably 10... Kids' birthday parties. I go with my son, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old. I go to this place called TacOps, and, and it's electric. TacOps. It's, it's it's a, it's like electric laser there stuff. Is there is no accountability. You get shot. Oh, yeah, go back and respawn. Like no yeah. big deal. So what's
5: the term? These are all new terms
6: to me. Respawn. Respawn, yeah. respawn yeah. means you, you get back. you go back to a box and you get to come back. To, you get to have a <laughs> well, get back the In, language, the game. in no. paintball, once you're hit, you're out. You're announcing it. I love it. I think I love the team bonding aspect of it. Um, a lot of coaches try to do things. They're like, hey, how do I manufacture team chemistry? I think paintball is a great way to do it. I've been on some teams where we did some things, and it was kind of like, yeah, this didn't really go yeah. as well as mm-hmm. you had thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bowling's fun, but everybody can paintball. Everybody can get involved in it, and uh, I think it's great for kind of a little bit. Hey, look, I'm counting on you. Are you got my back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna go back to back here, and you got get to protect my six. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that on the football field too. Yeah. Well, quick story. Yeah. Te- te- we had a team bonding act- activity mm-hmm. and when I played for the Browns one time. Butch Davis took us all swimming. It was great. Swimming? For,
2: just going for a swim? Like yeah, a big like,
6: hole? No, like a huge swim, Olympic-sized swimming pool. <laughs> okay. The problem is that some of the guys didn't know how to swim. So you had some guys that were, like, scared yeah. to go into the deep end. And, you know, it was like some guys in the shallow end. It didn't really go over too Interesting. well. Huh, see, I thought that would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> the,
2: uh, the the paintball, was plexiglass allowed to do it or no? Negative. Okay. Negative. Okay. No, okay. no. No, we leave Cheddar Bob out of it. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. What do you got, sir?
3: The answer is any team bonding activity is the right team bonding activity. I played college soccer in Jacksonville. So the humidity is like 15,000%. It's 150 degrees in August. And the only way you could get out of practice is if it lightning. So we would be like, there's lightning off in the distance at any, t- at any point to get out of anything that is mandatory. It's mandatory minicamp. Mm. So if you tell these guys they're literally going to do anything else, that's a win. You know, team bonding is especially important. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete, you're on a team. Your workplace, you're a team, right? And so that applies here. Like here in the studio, that's why I like coming in to do Good Morning Football Mm -hmm. because they make you feel like you're part of a team. And the first time I ever did Good Morning Football, Jason and I did it together, and it was out in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. It was raining the entire time. They spared no expense. We stayed at the Spring Hill Suites. Nice. And this is how our team bonding went by the way we're all staying at the same hotel uh last night two of the folks sitting out here decided to go to a buddy movie did you, you get, get damn bite i didn't did you get no the i bite? didn't get yeah, exactly bite. No exactly peter
2: uh, was the host I, 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 I peter you speak for yourself this is your deal
5: okay i haven't had a chance to see top gun yet it's made a billion dollars kyle's kyle personifies top gun like kyle what? so i just mentioned to him, I said, kyle you would love top gun right kyle said, Sure. i've already seen it i said do you want to see it again we went to see Top Gun with our producer Mark Rell. There's a third too. Oh, <laughs> have, have, <laughs> Sour, have you seen it?
3: No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It. Yeah. it would
5: have been awesome to go.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Explain what happened.
3: Mm. We are in the middle of, of Jason and I. Don't know anybody. We're just yeah. locked down at the Spring Hill Suites, and two of the four hosts are like, "Let's go. Let's have the producer. Let's have anybody that's working on the show. You guys want to go out to Top Gun? Jason and Sarah, you guys stay in the hotel. What's and the lesson? By yourself. What's the
5: lesson? Never leave it. your wingman. Here's the lesson. We were Emmy-winning best show mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah. We got all high on our high horse. Mm-hmm. We had ego. We didn't invite the team. bonding. It was more about me than we. And sure enough, <laughs> not only did we not get nominated for a, for an, an Emmy, I I mean we don't even have the two other hosts that are usually like it's just, we're falling at the. Pa- you're right.
2: We should have invited. We should have team movie nights. Yes, yes. Yeah. Especially in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Especially. Yeah. The gateway to Trenton. Yeah. <laughs> That's
3: That's they call that. Well, that is,
6: well, hey, the Ed Stable Theater. I think it's. I think it's vacant right now. I think it's yeah. available. Right? I, think right. I was using it.
3: I walked across the parking lot mm-hmm. by myself in the rain. Ate dinner That's by a myself. Pizza? At, no, at a wow. sushi place in a strip mall out there mm-hmm. in Mount, Mount Laurel. It was that or the grocery store next door. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what I did. Strip mall sushi versus
6: grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, yeah, one, tough right?
3: call, right? All right, I
2: got to get it back to paintball, right, somehow? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we messed Are up we really all? bad. Yeah, that was, yeah. Really, that was pretty Probably crummy. So. Should I get back to paintball? Yeah, get back the to The Jaguars that. went paintballing. Call me soft. Call me old-fashioned. I like my recreation without welts all over my body. <laughs> I don't want welts. Uh, I hate paintball. I've done it before in the Poconos, and we went up uh, against this group of like old like thrillbillies who all have a nom fetish and like think that they're like band of brothers,
6: like the pain, soldier. Yeah, like
2: it really, really hurts. I think it's totally overrated. It's often cold. Of course, it, it it fosters team chemistry and brotherhood. It's simulated war. Of course, it does. I there's 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 this great thing called. Laser tag, where you do the same thing, Sean. Tack if you ops. don't have welts. tack ops, whatever that is. <laughs> I'm in. I think paintball is one of the worst things of all time. Bowling is an undefeated endeavor. It's always fun. The paintball sucks. I'm going to
5: double down with you, and there's because of something. Okay, so you go to a bowling alley, and a lot of the guys will say, "I actually have my own ball," and that's what. You go to the paintball thing, ba, 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 ba. there's a guy who has his own gun, and you're like, I'm just here to put, and it's like, it's just I got the right. super splatter 9,000,
2: yeah. and then I'm out there with like, one of those things where like, mus- you put it in, you got ksh- got and, little- stuff in and it's a, <laughs> a revolutionary oh, yeah. war mustard. <laughs> <thing. laughs> I got a band in front of me doing it. Because I rented the thing. <laughs> thing. There's a drummer, yeah. Show up. he got a patch over one of his eyes, representing my team's little ripped flag with a circle and the stars. It's terrible. I
4: hate You guys,
7: get out in nature, will you? Will Salva here with the latest news and headlines from around the league. And defensive end Frank Clark has spent the past four seasons with the Chiefs, but now he'll stay in the AFC West as he jumps to a division rival. The veteran edge rusher signing a one-year deal with the Broncos that NFL Network insider Tom Pellicer reports is worth up to $7.5 million with incentives. Clark started every game he's played in over the last three seasons and was named a pro bowler in three of his four years in KC. The Eagles coming off their best season since 2017 that culminated in a Super Bowl appearance. But as quarterback Jalen Hurst told reporters Thursday, he's not dwelling on the past here. He is only focused on the future.
5: Last year is over. Anything that we were able to do last year, I've said this. Every every off season, to be honest, I remember when I went to Oklahoma specifically. I talked about that, and you know nothing, nothing prior, nothing that's been done prior, um, will get us to where we want to be now. Um, there are a ton of experiences that we we've definitely documented and uh, deposited in the bank, if you will, to learn from, and we will learn from and have learned from. But um, you know it's a day by day thing. It's a day by day thing, and I think everybody's taking that approach. You know we're excited to just kind of continue that progression.
7: Head coach Nick Sirianni saying yesterday that Hurts may be the most coachable person he's ever been around in the league and he has the right demeanor that you want to see in your team leader.
3: Uh, Jalen Hurts said nothing that's been done prior is going to get the Eagles to where they want to be. Draw this up for us, Sean. How much does a team who made a Super Bowl appearance actually take from one season into the next?
6: Yeah, it can absolutely impact it. I mean, we talked all the time about Super Bowl hangovers for teams that have lost one. I don't know what that feels like, but I think when you look at what the Eagles are doing right now, it's we're trying to forget about that last game and that last season. And I think to, to Jalen Hurst's point, it's one of the toughest things to handle in the NFL is success. Like when nobody is giving you a chance to make the playoffs or when nobody's giving you a chance to win the whole thing, you kind of get this us against the world mentality, and you kind of you're the hungrier dog, if you will. I think the toughest thing is when people are patting you on the back. Hey, you guys are the best team in the NFL. Hey, you guys are so good. And I think that's where the Eagles are right now. Everybody is congratulating them. Hey, it was a great season last year. And fans think you're going to pick up right where you left off. So you've got to put in the work. But I'll say this: the year after we won the Super Bowl, we were a better team, and we were a better team because we were. That was the best training camp I'd ever been a part of. Being in the Super Bowl, being in the big dance, being under, being one of the two teams in the NFL that everybody's looking at, when you come back to training camp, you realize that, look, everybody's gunning for us. Like, we are the creme de la creme right now. And I think that the, what it does is it changes the standard of excellence in every single thing you do. Practice, meetings, the bar has been raised. And I think that's one of the things that we learned as a team in 2008 was that, look, every time we did something, it was out a championship effort. And I think for Philly... They've got a little more fuel to the fire, and mm-hmm. um, I think the fact that Jalen's already talking about it and put it out there, laid out the gauntlet, like, you know, it doesn't matter what we did last year and making sure everybody's on that same page, everybody's working towards that same thing.
5: Look, we do this show in the offseason, so we talk about the same teams, and we go on. And like We've done 30 different Eagles conversations since even the draft, probably. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can do before you get fatigued. Here's the difference with the Eagles and other teams. The NFC is truly theirs. Like, there's no, I guess the Niners, but they have a quarterback, like, Across the board, the Eagles are the favorites in the NFC, and it might be the Niners, and there might. I've been pushing for the Seahawks to get that kind of respect, and of course we can go out, but they are so head and shoulders above everyone that it's hard not to read those headlines. It's hard just to stay in the pocket and say, well, we well, have done, done anything for next season. I'm curious, because they do have this great mix of veterans. They brought back, obviously, Brandon Graham and Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox, but they have so many young guys, too. How do you not read the headlines and just rest on your laurels knowing that everyone is picking you to be the team this year? Yeah, and I
2: think the difference is, Sean, you guys won the Super Bowl. The Eagles lost. And one of my favorite things that's tracked online is there's been 17 straight quarterbacks who have lost their Super Bowl debut, 17 straight, they've never made it back. Now, what does that mean? You get to the Super Bowl, you lose, never back. The most recent being Joe Burrow, this goes all the way back to Stan Humphreys, Drew Bledsoe, Donovan McNabb, Rex Grossman, all these players. That is not a coincidence. Weird things happen after Super Bowl runs, psychologically, roster-wise. And we can all say, oh, the Eagles have the best roster on paper in the NFC. Like... It just doesn't happen usually. It's very difficult. And I also hate the hubris of Jalen Hurts is this amazing young player. He'll get his Super Bowl. No, he won't. Yeah. We don't this, say the same thing about Joe Burrow. He'll get his. How Josh do you know Allen. That? Josh
3: Allen. Oh, they're going to get
2: one eventually. You don't know any of that. Aaron Rodgers won four MVPs. He hasn't been back there in about a decade and a half. Dan Marino never got one. You better cash that one in when you get there.
3: And I think we think that because they're so young. So it's like there's so so much time left and you just don't know. Coming up, the Broncos rallying around their quarterback heading into the new season. But can Russell Wilson prove the rest of the league wrong?
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring
4: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good
0: morning, football.
3: Russell Wilson's first season with the Broncos, it didn't go as planned. In fact, by many measures, it was actually the worst of his career. Now, Russ has drawn the attention of many detractors, and not just because of his play, some find fault. And some other things, like his personality, something that doesn't sit well at all with his left tackle, Garrett Bowles.
2: Um, just because you have one rough season, you can't you, can't, you know, dictate a type of guy and his personality and what he goes through. You know, I was angry with everything that came out because I love him dearly. I take it very personal. I want people to talk about him because... Nobody knows him like I do or us here. And so, um, you know, when you put when you put a heart on the line, you know, you're focused and, you know, things go rocky. Um, you know, you look like the bad guy, but he's not. He's a great dude. You know, he's the same guy every single day. He works his butt off. And, you know, I'm ready for that stuff to go away. Um, and when it goes, everyone's going to eat crow. Hmm.
1: There
3: you go. You got your friends coming out fighting for you. Russ has a faithful friend in his left tackle. Sean, no one knows better than you about the relationship of a lineman to his quarterback. What do you make of Bowles' comments?
6: I love it. I appreciate the offensive lineman sticking up for his quarterback. Okay. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's it's definitely a, a different kind of brotherhood when you're an offensive lineman and your job basically is – Don't let anybody touch the quarterback. It's like secret service. Nobody gets to the president. And uh, it's great to see Garrett Bowles take that kind of ownership for his guy. It just kind of brings me back. Like he's defending Russell Wilson for what? For his quirkiness, for things that, you know, hey, look, last season was a tough season. But I like the fact that he's peeling the layers back on what Russell has done for the locker room and how much the guys feel, you know, how how good they feel about him and how much they trust him that he's going to get this thing right. I think it kind of brings me back to a quarterback that I played for and with in Eli Manning because a lot of people... People used to always come up with, me, "Hey, what's Eli really mm-hmm. like?" Mm-hmm. Hey, we we had this public persona of him that he's goofy and he's just like, you know, he's awkward or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, man, the guy, like like once you get to know him and like he, he's different than what you're seeing. So okay. I think we're seeing a little bit of that with Garrett Bowles defending Russell Wilson. I think we see a totally different version of this Denver Broncos offense. And it's not just because of Russ. I think it's because of the offensive identity is going to look different. Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi, their interjection into this offense is going to look differently. But I also look to what they committed to. They went out and signed Ben Powers uh, at guard. They, they tra- uh, signed Matt Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, that to me says we are going to be more physical up front. We're going to run the football. Nothing gets an offensive lineman more excited about being aggressive and attacking people, going out and hitting people, as opposed to, hey, we're throwing the ball 60 times uh, in a game. So uh, I like what Bulls did, uh, and, and I like the fact that he towered over the microphone and the podium. Yeah, and the show that's what they're hoping to do to the rest of that division. Well started his career taking his...
5: Baby onto the Kingston. stage, Kingston, That's right? Onto the stage yeah, of the draft. And now he's a grown man. Look and at Kingston of- now. You'll gasp when you see it. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> he's all grown up. Want to feel old? <laughs> <it>. Click here. <laughs> Russell doesn't necessarily have the what's the word here? He doesn't have the benefit of the doubt going into this season. Last year was a disaster. So, Garrett Bowles saying you're going to eat crow. Well, it's like we saw it last year, and there were no teammates last year coming out there and banging a huge drum for Russell Wilson. I think, you know, Melvin Gordon spoke positively about him a couple times on his way out, and then you'd heard some comments just, hey, we're trying to get better every day. But, like, this wasn't 53 people going to the bat, and it certainly didn't look like the coaching staff was all in or was had the support of Russell when they fired the coach 15 weeks into the season. It was a disaster last year, so it's pleasant to hear this, but Sean made a point. I think they changed their identity, and, yes, Sean Payton is one of the reasons. They signed Mike McGlinchey, a former top-10 pick, to a four-year, $88 million deal. Then they go and get Powers to a four-year, $52 million deal. Man Hurts, who's the big tight end, he doesn't catch balls. He's all about Quinn. blocking. He's just a monster that blocks. They signed him to a two-year deal, so, like, there are no excuses for Russell Wilson, and I would like to eat crow, whatever mm-hmm. that means. I don't think anyone is saying yeah. we're going to have as bad of a year as last year. Yeah. Um, but for them to come out and be you know, kind of cocksure and confident and say, trust us, we got this. Well, there was no reason for us to believe that based on what we saw. You have to do it first.
2: The eating crow thing will probably be tied into some sort of subway commercial. Um, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about this. I like that Garrett Bolt does this. Did this. I think it's it shows him being a leader. And I'm going to sit up here. I'm going to talk for my guy. And this is that was the past. And I, I love all of that. It's really positive. I, it's, it's not exactly airtight. I, I would have <laughs> liked to hear it when they were losing nine of ten in the middle of last season. Didn't hear it then. And as for the nobody knows him like we do. Russ's Seahawks teammates knew him really well, mm. or maybe they didn't. But like. They played with that guy for years, Garrett. Do respect. You played with him for one season. You ever chat up with any of those guys? Like, I'm not going to name names here, but, like, it's, it's not subtle. So... This is not nothing. Don't come out and say, that's ridiculous. You don't know him. There's a lot there. It's a complicated person. It's a unique player who had a really bad year on the field objectively, no matter what you think of him as a person. The league's better when Russell Wilson is playing well, when the Broncos are good. I'm rooting for it. I'm certainly, listen, a lot of people took shots at him for things other than football, very loudly me, and I regret none of it, and I was right about all of it. I hope that he plays really well next year. I like that Garrett Bowles did it. There's a lot of people who do know Russell Wilson intimately for years who feel the same way that a lot of us maybe don't know him feel, and that's where it comes from. So let's not just say, you know what? You're right. We were wrong. Russell, is just he's a hes a great locker room guy, and all the teammates love him, and they're constantly having dinners at his house, and he's constantly taking the rookies around. Come on. There's something to it. It's not nothing.
3: It's not nothing, but I think the Bulls at that podium and the way he came off is significant in the sense that you know this, you've been often probably asked about players that, you know, when you're in front of a microphone, it's tough. You're hearing the Seahawks players say stuff now. They weren't saying it, obviously, when they're playing with them. So, why I think it's significant for him saying that the way he did, it didn't seem like the moment of, hey, what do you think about Russ? And he has to give the generic. It seemed a little bit like he was taking the ownership of, like, I'm going to, like, I'm not saying it works out, but I'm just saying that. It didn't feel like that typical. You're asked maybe at your locker, and you've probably been put in situations before. Where you don't love a guy, but you're not going to say that, right? Like you have to sugarcoat things, and because you got to go to work with the guy, it didn't feel like that was Garrett in that situation, right? Whether it's genuine, it, it felt like at least and I'm not. I'm, that's not speaking for any of the Seahawks guys. That's not speaking for anybody else. But it sort of feels like one of the first times we've heard a guy. Like that in recent memory that I can think of that stepped to a podium that was adamant about and I you have to have that right if that guy doesn't believe that Mm -hmm. like there's going to be an even sure somebody's got to be the first one right some of the Broncos
2: receivers went on Twitter a few months back and they they clapped back against it and I think we're going to see a lot of this and I think we're going to see a rejuvenated confidence and even moxie from the Broncos. I do not think that comes from the quarterback. I think it's a Sean Payton factor. I think they believe in him. I think they are energized by him. I think we feel differently now as an organization because of that guy, who is a lot of things. One of them is you call it a red ass. One of the guy who's been there. One of the guy who doesn't care what you think. Um, is not about the cameras. Is not about this and that. Like. He's here to coach football and crack some skulls if he needs to. I think the new the rejuvenation from the Broncos is gonna come from him.
5: Sean's also all about authenticity. What you get on that screen is what you get in real life. And what you get and I think if there's anything, he's hoping that Russell can be the same way and just be authentic, be yourself, and then lead us on the field. And I think the game, it almost was It was so jarring to watch him last year that all of the stuff you felt you were hearing off the field about how he had his own office and he was treated differently by the the coaches than the other players, all that stuff was merited. It ends in just what was a catastrophic season. I mean, he got just... And time, this Thursday night game against the Colts was the worst game of NFL history. I mean, it was disgusting. Yes. And it was Russell Wilson involved at quarterback. And he would echo that with other games where it was even worse, where it looks like Russell couldn't move. So to hear Garrett Bowles say oh, you're going to eat crow, yeah, we hope so. I miss the Broncos being relevant. I miss the Broncos being good. Yeah. They went to Christmas Day, and they lost to a terrible Rams team in Baker Mayfield. It's so negative. And the door's blown off. I know, I don't want to be this way. And also,
2: it's not like Russ is this bad guy. It's none of that. It's an issue of connecting with teammates. And we're not making this up either. We've had a couple different Broncos defensive backs on the show at this table. And we're asking about, was Russ doing high knees on the plane? And they just start laughing and they're telling us we were all texting about it on our text chain when we got off the plane. There's just a disconnect there. It's an unusual guy. His own teammates are saying, dude, what was Russ doing on the plane? Sometimes that represents a schism in the locker room. And that becomes bad if you lose every single week. So not some bad guy. Just a difficult connectivity issue sometimes with the teammates. Yeah,
6: Russell's a good guy, and I think a lot of people say, hey, that's one of those guys that's a little bit extra. Maybe he's a little bit corny, I don't know. But there does seem to be some pettiness, both from his time in Seattle, from guys that were maybe a little Mm -hmm. jealous of the attention or whatever he got. And then also in Denver, Al said, we gave you all this stuff, and we're not winning.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.